One of my favorite annual tasks as a pastor is preparing the ashes for our Ash Wednesday service. It is the one time each year that being a pastor guarantees that I will get unmistakably dirty. The deep, dark ash stubbornly clings to every crevice around and under my nails, lingering with me for many days afterward. And it will not allow me to forget that I am an earth creature, and to earth I will return. The deep, dark ash that no soap I've yet found will fully remove reminds me that my work isn't spiritual in an ethereally untethered from this world kind of way, but is earthy. And perhaps that's part of why I love this morning's story so much, because Jesus, too, gets unmistakably dirty. Jesus, the story goes, spat on the ground and made mud with saliva. Did you catch that, kids? We've got saliva in the Bible today. And then spread that mud on the eyes of a man born blind. Now, I was curious to know where else spit appears in the Bible because it feels oddly specific. And there are three references in the Torah from Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And in each case, spit is unclean. Spitting on someone causes disgrace and makes them ritually unclean. And then twice in Job and once in Isaiah, getting spat on is described as humiliation and disgrace. And finally, there are three references to Jesus being spat on as part of his pre-crucifixion beating and humiliation in Matthew and Mark. So when Jesus spits on the ground, mixing his saliva with the soil to make mud and then spreads that mud on the eyes of the man born blind, he is not just getting unmistakably dirty. He's also bringing healing through something supposedly unclean, transforming spit into a healing agent. Like the tenacious ash under my nails, I can't seem to shake this image of Jesus spitting and mixing. It clings to me, doggedly occupying my imagination. Jesus, kneeling in the dirt, mixing mud with his own saliva, is reminiscent of the second creation story in Genesis chapter 2, another favorite of mine, for perhaps the same reason. But in this case, in Genesis... It's God, the creator, who gets unmistakably dirty. So God fashioned an earth creature out of the clay of the earth and blew into its nostrils the breath of life, and the earth creature became a living being. In John's, it seems, parallel story, Jesus spits on dirt, creating clay, spreads it on the earth creature's eyes, tells him to go to a pool, to wash in a pool that was called scent. And the earth creature becomes a living being too, just like in Genesis, a seeing being, and ultimately a scent being. In other words, the earth creature becomes a disciple. 
This earth creature, this man born blind, does not become a disciple because he believes the right things or says the right things or even does the right things, but because he tells his story of encounter and transformation. And he tells it over and over and over again. This is one of the few biblical stories that I can't read without laughing. There's something comical about the repeated questioning and the man's refusal to get baited into theological jousting. Those around the man born blind are stymied in their every effort to trap him or anyone else into saying something incriminating about himself or incriminating about the man who made mud with spit and sent him to wash in a pool called scent. The persistent questioning of the would-be prosecutors reminds me of the only prosecuting attorney I've had the pleasure of being questioned by. Four of us were arrested at Raytheon in 2003. At that time, at least, Raytheon was the third largest defense contractor in the U.S. It had been an unseasonably nasty day in Denver for April. It was rainy, windy, maybe even sleeting, unless I'm uh, remembering it more extreme in my head than it was. But with all that weather nastiness, plus the row of really terrifying-looking cops in riot gear that were blocking our path, plus the snipers on the rooftop with rifles trained on four of us women, literally on our knees in prayer, plus the drumming and the singing of the crowd that had come to pray with us as we walked onto Raytheon's property, plus our pounding hearts, as we faced our own fears and plus the speaking aloud of the 23rd Psalm and the Lord's Prayer and anything else that we could think to recite together to try to keep our fears at bay, with all of that hullabaloo around, three of the four of us never actually heard the order to leave the property. We missed it. Now, none of us were under any illusion that we were welcome there, But only one of us remembered actually hearing the order. So during our trial, we of course chose to save the one who'd heard the order for last. And the prosecuting attorney who questioned three of us who never heard the order was getting more and more frustrated by us, like the would-be prosecutors in John, asking the same questions over and over again, expecting one response and getting something very different and very frustrating. Until at last, with a third witness, utterly exasperated by her unsatisfactory responses to the questions, the attorney made the fatal flaw of asking Marie an open-ended question. Now, I have watched enough of The Good Wife to know you do not do this. Do not ask a question you do not know the answer to. What were you looking at, he said in utter exasperation. (laughs) And without skipping a beat and with complete sincerity, Marie responded, I was looking into a future where my son does not have to live with war. I was looking into a future where my son doesn't have to live with a corporation that boasts on its own website we are leaders in every phase of the precision engagement kill chain. I was looking into a future where my son's country stops its self-interested militarized global bullying. I was looking into a future where my son grows up surrounded by peace and justice for all. The lawyer sat down at that point, (laughs) completely defeated, 
and the judge could not contain his amused and delighted laughter at Marie's testimony. He actually came to talk with us during jury deliberation and wanted to swap stories about churches. It was awesome. (laughs) And the courtroom, filled with our friends, barely contained its applause. (laughs) Now, of course, the fourth witness testified to hearing the order to leave, and the jury found us all guilty of criminal trespassing, but not before. Not before we had had the opportunity to tell our stories of encounter with something and someone holy, with a Christ of peace and with a God of justice. And not before we had had the opportunity to tell our stories of how that encounter had transformed our former blindness into seeing Not before we had had the opportunity to tell our stories of how that transformed seeing had led us to a sense of having been sent. This morning we're again going to enter into silence with one another for three minutes. Remembering once again that silence together, our silence in this very human place that we share is not the absence of all sounds, but is an attempt to quiet some of that internal chattering and noise. So, wiggly kids and fidgety toddlers and restless adults, you are welcome in this silence with all the noises you make. And I invite you as you ponder your own earth creatureliness, to call to mind a moment of encounter with the holy, perhaps in something as mundane as mud made from saliva and soil. Remember a time in your life when you experienced transformation, when you came to see something differently than you had ever seen it before, when scales seemed to fall from your eyes. Recall an experience of feeling sent commissioned, compelled toward a particular task or a way of life or a story-sharing opportunity. In this silence, ponder how are you being invited to tell your story of encounter, of transformation, of sentness. And kids, the question for you is the same. But I'm going to say it just a little bit different for little ears out there. How have you experienced God, kids? Have you? Do you have any stories to tell about experiencing Jesus with you? What was that like? And maybe you could draw a picture of that story. How are you being invited to tell your story of encounter? of transformation, of sentness.